For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to David Lombardi, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic, about one of the greatest rivalries in the NFL, really in NFL history, but across the 80s and the 90s, is renewed this Sunday from Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas, where the 49ers, as the sixth seed, will take on the number three seed, Dallas Cowboys. David's done a great job covering the Niners all season long. We can talk to him about the health of the roster, which Kyle Shanahan says is better now than it has been all season long. The difference in the first half and second half performances from Jimmy Garoppolo last week against the Rams, and just how much the 49er fans may take over Dallas Cowboys Stadium this Sunday. All things we can talk about with David Lombardi, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, January 12th. It's a pleasure to welcome one of our favorite guests back to the update. David Lombardi, of course, covers the 49ers for The Athletic. And David, you got a good one to write about this week, man. I saw you tweeted out the other day that uh, sort of fitting that in the 40th anniversary week that uh, Dwight Clark made the catch against the Dallas Cowboys, Niners and the Cowboys squaring off in Super Wild Card Weekend, man. This must be pretty exciting. Well, I grew up on this rivalry. I was born in 1988, so I don't remember the catch as far as seeing it live because that was, what, six or seven years before me. But the 1990s version of 49ers-Cowboys was absolutely epic. You had literally the game featuring the most star power in NFL history in the January 1995 NFC Championship game between the 49ers and the Cowboys, a candlestick. And that was obviously the culmination of a three-year stretch in which those two teams essentially played the Super Bowl on NFC Championship weekend. So this goes from the 70s, you know, the 60s, the 70s, Keysar Stadium, right, to the 80s with the catch and the 49ers grab control of the rivalry then to the Cowboys striking back in the 90s. And then the 49ers getting the last laugh in January of 1995 to close that 94 season. And it's amazing to me that these two teams have not simultaneously been in the playoffs until this season since 1998. So we've been waiting a long time for the 1990s to revive themselves. And and here we are with 49ers Cowboys back in the postseason for the first time in the same year. And of course, the very first game fittingly pits them two together. Well, and you start talking like 90s rivalries, and we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves saying this, but if the Niners are to get through this game, there's a chance that they could be taking on the Packers at Lambeau Field. But we'll reserve that conversation for a later date. Uh, so looking back at what happened uh, at SoFi Stadium last Sunday, just a, a brief thought on that. The takeovers this year by 49er fans have been incredible, it seems like. I know they go to Jacksonville like once every eight years or something, so taking over that stadium, maybe not the most alarming thing, but seems like 49er fans are traveling in packs, and it had an impact on last week's game. Well, Matthew Stafford came out and said that the Rams had sh- trouble communicating. They had a full start on their second snap of the game. And Sean McVay said that it was surprising to the Rams. And I think that's bad coaching on Sean McVay's part. I think you had to have them more ready for that. Because in every single 49ers-Rams game in Los Angeles since that team moved back from St. Louis, the 49ers have had at least 50% of the crowd. And since the 49ers have gotten good in 2019, They've had well over 50% of the crowd. Some people estimated that it was about 80%. I think that's a bit high. I think that it was a very loud 60 to 65%. There was a ton of red in the upper deck. The 49ers owned the upper deck. A few more Rams fans, you know, in the lower bowl behind the home sideline. But either way, the best case scenario, and I predicted this entering the game for the Rams, would be that this would be like the Super Bowl, where both teams were affected by the noise. And I think that ultimately was the case. The 49ers, when they were on offense, had to you know manage the noise. But they were ready for it since they were the road team. The Rams needed to be ready for it, given the history of 49ers fans traveling 
to either the Coliseum or SoFi Stadium. And it was huge. When Ambry Thomas walked it off to the playoffs with the 49ers with the interception, uh, the press box shook a little bit. That's how loud it was down there. Yeah, big win for the 49ers uh, on Sunday, and obviously uh, they are now the uh, sixth seed into the Super Wild Card weekend. So coming out of that game, and Kyle Shanahan mentioned this in his conference call with you guys the other day, that he was pretty happy with the health of the team and, and said he feels maybe happier about the health of the team right now than he did at the early point of the season. And I think that's probably true based on how well the team has played in the latter part of the year. But talk about the guys who could be coming back this week. I know Dre Greenlaw just returned. Aziz Alshire, Mo Hurst, obviously Wisnowski, that situation still sort up in the air with the uh, the concussion protocol, but talk to me about the health of the roster and how it's shaping up for this week in Dallas. Well, Kyle Shanahan believes this is as healthy as the 49ers can possibly be entering, you know, their, what, 18th, 19th game of the season. I lost count. There's 17 games now in the regular season, <laughs> so we're on to number 18. I mean, it's been a long ride for the 49ers. It's been a roller coaster ride. Obviously, injuries have defined part of that ride, but uh, we're not really 100% sure just how healthy the 49ers will be on for Sunday yet because potentially their best player, arguably their best player, Trent Williams, is very, very questionable right now. So that that's going to be huge because Dallas can rush the passer. The Rams could rush the passer and, you know, missing Trent Williams almost, almost derailed the 49ers. In fact, it did for an entire half, right? Colton McKibbitts did as best as he could, but he had never played at left tackle in the NFL before, gave up four pressures. Garoppolo was getting drilled. Those hits, at least one of them in the first half, turned into an interception. The 49ers found a way to make it work in the second half somehow, some way, but you got to have Trent Williams if you want to make that formula sustainable moving forward. So, yes, the 49ers might be close to full health defensively. I know they won't get Jason Verrett back. Uh, obviously, on the offensive end, they're not going to get Raheem Mostert back, but they're approaching full health there. But the big domino is Trent Williams, and that's one that we're going to track all week. The 49ers don't expect them to practice today. That's obviously concerning. He tried to play last week. He brought it all the way up to game day, showed up to SoFi Stadium early, but the elbow just wouldn't allow him to go. So the 49ers have to hope that five or six more days does the trick for Trent Williams because he's just that important to this team. Yeah, that's what Kyle had said. He said, if we had another week, there might have been a chance. So you're hoping he's out there uh, this week. You mentioned that you felt like Colton McKivitz gave it his best shot in that first half. They only had four drives in that first half against the Rams. I think the first two drives, they punted it away. And you had the, uh, the fumble, obviously, from Jimmy Garoppolo. Or was that one the interception? I guess that would have been an interception from Jimmy. Is that right? And then they obviously had the, uh, the drive at the end where they kicked the field goal. So what did you think happened in the second half? Obviously, they commit to the run, the 11th straight runs. But why was it that they were so much more successful in the second half than they were in the first from your estimation? Well, they had more drives under their belt to establish an offensive flow. They didn't commit to the run. They weren't able to run those 10 or 11 times until they saw success through the air, right? Until they actually moved the chains, protected Garoppolo. The game turned around at the two-minute drive before halftime, and that, that was almost exclusively a passing drive to get the 49ers into field goal range because they started that one, I think, with 44 seconds. So the line sucked it up. They protect it, and I think you know part of that was the 49ers moving into the hurry-up, into the two-minute rhythm. It's harder for a pass rush to stay fresh and, and get after the quarterback. So that really tilted the scale back in, you know, at least partially in the 49ers' favor. And then they came out of halftime, and Garoppolo made some nice throws uh, out of halftime. I mean, there was a play, a third and three, where Aaron Donald just came in essentially as a free rusher and drilled Jimmy, and he somehow, someway got the ball off. Got it to Jermichael Hasty to pick up the first down. Very next play, Garoppolo found intermediate deep pass to, to Trent Sherfield down the, the, the far boundary. 
they got the 49ers way upfield, and then Debo Samuel scored the touchdown. So it was 17-10 at that point, and the 49ers had the Rams on their heels because uh, they had that had executed the pass game, that had executed the pass protection, and that's when they went to the 10 straight runs. So the 10 straight runs were like, I don't want to say the finishing blow because obviously there was a, still a whole old, hell of a lot more game after the 49ers tied it, but that was the finishing punch of the comeback. What was the 10 straight run? So it was just a beautiful team win for the 49ers. It, it, people, especially on social media, just, just love to find one thing to credit, but you can't do that in this game. This was a team win. Everybody contributed, you know, from the run game. I mean, it, this is staggering to me. Garoppolo threw 32 times in this game, right? Which, you know, that's kind of a hot button issue. Can the 49ers win when Jimmy throws more than 30 times? He did throw more than 30 times, but they also had a stretch where they ran 10 straight times. How often do you see that? How often do you see a game where you throw at volume and then you run 10 straight times? I, I think that it was an awesome team win for the 49ers in that regard. Yeah, it's a great point because generally if it goes in bunches like that, you kind of stick with one thing or one thing is, is tilting one direction like the uh, the 40 times the Niners were able to run the ball a couple of times earlier this year. And if you do that, you obviously feel like you're getting a win. But that's a great uh, great observation and point by you, David. Thought from you on what it means to be facing Dan Quinn, who's the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is sort of an interesting thread. Kyle and Dan Quinn know each other well from their time in Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta came in here in 2019 and beat the 49ers at the end of the game. Julio Jones drags the ball across the goal line. Is this a thread you'll be tugging on this week? Well, Dan Quinn runs the 4-3. Uh, he comes from the Seattle tree. That's obviously where the 49ers defense comes from. I know the coverages have become more diversified as the league in general has moved away from cover three over the years. But the 49ers get the practice against, uh, you know, a, a similar defensive scheme. So there's going to be some familiarity here. You know, it, it's not going to be like the, the Cowboys 49ers rivalry of the 90s where both teams are just kind of schematically different. They, 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 there wasn't much coaching overlap. I mean, in the 90s, it was the Packers and the 49ers who had all the coaching overlap, and they, they knew each other, right? And, you know, Mike Holmgren was the former 49ers offensive coordinator. Steve Mariucci was the former Packers quarterback's coach. And, you know, Holmgren had the whole Bill Walsh uh, coaching book down, and, and he was using the 49ers, uh, you know, techniques in the 80s and 90s to coach the Packers. It's, it's going to be a little bit more like that than the 49ers-Cowboys rivalry of the 90s where the two teams just hated each other and were polar opposites and, you know, just uh, fought for those three or four years uh, for NFL supremacy. So the familiarity makes it really interesting to me because Dan Quinn obviously is familiar with Kyle Shanahan. And, and more importantly, he does run a defensive scheme that's very related to what the 49ers installed under Robert Sala and have now continued with D'Amico Ryans. Obviously, they've got some huge weapons over there, too, and Parsons and Diggs and whatnot. So a team that can take the ball away through the air, uh, certainly. I don't know how much Cowboys you've gotten an opportunity to watch this year if you're diving into the film now, but is there a spot you identify that you'd expect the Niners to attack with them? I really think the 49ers might be able to run the football in this game, and that, that's obviously important. Now, so much of it is contingent on the 49ers passing, loosening up the defense, you know, complimentary football is everything. Again, it's never as simple as, oh, the Cowboys have a weak run defense, the 49ers should be able to run. Well, if the Cowboys completely snuff out the pass, then they can focus on the run as well, right? If the 49ers can't make the Cowboys pay for being in run-heavy defensive packages, then it's just not going to work. So complimentary football is really important. But if you, you look at the metrics, you look at the tape, the Cowboys are sh really, really strong off the edges. Obviously, you talk about Micah Parsons, but they also have Demarcus Lawrence. And, and I mean, they're deep and they're prolific at the defensive end and strong side linebacker spot. But 
Neville Gallimore and Carlos Watkins, I think, are below average defensive tackles. I don't think the Cowboys are great up the middle. And I think that's an important matchup advantage for the 49ers because you see the 49ers frequently struggle offensively against plus defensive tackles, right? Aaron Donald obviously created a lot of trouble for the 49ers last week, but generally against the Rams, they've been able to neutralize him. But you go down the list, Chris Jones in the Super Bowl, Grady Jarrett for the Falcons has, has given the 49ers trouble in the past. The, the Cowboys don't have one of those guys on the inside. And I think that the 49ers should be able to hold their own on the inside and exploit what is the biggest statistical Dallas weakness, and that's runs to the right. On runs to the right, the Cowboys rank somewhere between number 27 and 31, depending on you know where exactly to the right, off-right tackle or off-right end. And we know that the 49ers can run to the right because Tom Compton, their backup right tackle, who is now starting after Mike McGlinchey is done for the season, he's been run blocking his ass off. I mean, he, he's been phenomenal in the run game for the 49ers. So I think it's all about unlocking the ability to run. And that's going to be possible because the, the Cowboys – may not be as equipped to exploit the 49ers' interior offensive linemen and pass protection. So if the 49ers can pass effectively by protecting the middle, then they could you know, unlock that ability to, to expose the right side of the Cowboys' run defense. And if Trent Williams is back, he could expose the left side too because Trent Williams is that good. But if you don't have Trent Williams, that's the formula. You, ha- you have to block in the middle on the pass plays, and then, and then you have to take advantage of uh, the fact that Tom Compton is playing well to expose the Cowboys on runs to the right. That's a great breakdown, man. Great reason for the 49ers or, or ways the 49ers may have success on Sunday. Hey, just a thought for you, uh, sort of administrative-wise, on the way out here. Adam Peters and, and uh, uh, Rand Carthen get to, they ask permission from the, the New York Giants ask permission from the 49ers to interview them for their vacant uh, general manager spots. Mike McDaniel has been requested by the Dolphins to interview for their vacant head coaching position. Kyle Shanahan was asked about D'Amico Ryans as a potential head coach, and he thinks he's got the capabilities and the uh, the mind and the skill set to take a job like like that this is a big deal i mean you, you start losing coaches and, and assistant general managers and player personnel guys it's a big hole to fill uh, i would expect at some point some of these guys are going to get plucked what did you make of all these uh requests for interviews and obviously there are guys interviewing all around the league but but what did you make of these three well i mean the 49ers scouting department is held in very high esteem as it should be by the rest of the league because just just look at the success the 49ers have had in the lower rounds of the draft and again this season that, that's been another theme elijah mitchell is the headliner. They picked him in the sixth round. And just go through the the years, right, from George Kittle in 2017 uh, all the way to Mitchell here in 2021, the 49ers have been unable, have been, have been able to unearth impressive talent later on in the draft. For all the struggles they might have had in the first round, and, you know, I think some of those are a little overblown too because they have gotten value out of the first and second rounds. I mean, Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel were first and second round picks in <laughs> right. 2019. But but yes, there have been misses, especially early in the tenure with, with Solomon Thomas and, and, and Reuben Foster. But for all those misses, the 49ers have more than made up for them with uh, you know the, those later round finds. And that is credit to the scouting department because you're pegging guys who aren't obvious to see in those rounds. And uh, obviously, Adam Peters is the is the head scout essentially for the 49ers. He's now the assistant GM. But uh, Rand Carthon has Peters' old job, which is director of player personnel, which is the head scout. And those two guys are fully responsible. You know, they're at the top of the food chain there as far as uh, the, the the scouting uh, efforts of the 49ers. So there's no question that they're held in high esteem around the league. And obviously, Mike McDaniel. Well, the 49ers' offense 
finished in top five efficiency this year, DVOA, EPA per play, whatever you want, for the first time in the Shanahan era. In 2019, they were number seven. This year, they're top five. And, and the fact that the, you know, the 49ers are only, only became more efficient this season offensively, uh, even despite losing you know, LaFleur to, to the Jets last year, I think that's put some more focus on Mike McDaniel and his role in, in, in architecting what the 49ers are doing. And he's also going to be a guy who teams are interested in. David, you do such a great job, man. It's a fun conversation. I think everybody uh, in 49er land and maybe down in Cowboy land is pretty excited about this one on Sunday. And again, if the Niners get a win, there's a chance that uh, we could keep the, the 90s vibes alive and maybe they go up to uh, to Lambeau. If the uh, the Eagles go down, maybe they'd go up and take on the Packers. So, hey, man, enjoy the game on Sunday in Dallas, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. All right, thank you. Fantastic breakdown and, uh, and good insight from David Lombardi. He's done a great job uh, on hits with us and covering the 49ers for the Athletic all season long. At Lombardi himself, make sure you give him a follow and uh, pay attention to his post throughout the game on Sunday. Should be a fun one. From Jerry World down in Dallas, or I guess it's technically down in Arlington, is where the 49ers are headed. Thank you to David Lombardi. Thank you to Brian, my producer, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports and sometimes in national sports, as we did on Monday with the national championship game underway. Uh, Also, we've got to pay attention to baseball's negotiations. Those are right around the corner. We can also check back in with what's going on with the Golden State Warriors and Klay Thompson's return. However, on Friday, we're going to get you more ready for Super Wild Card Weekend. Niners at the Cowboys. John Michaud who covers the Dallas Cowboys for The Athletic. He's going to stop by, give us the Cowboys side of things. That's coming up on Friday. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.